Hey, hey, welcome into this week's edition of Please Bear With Me, your go-to podcast for all things Baylor football. My name's Scotty Swingler. I'm so thankful to be talking to you this week. I'm so thankful to be part of the family at Bears Illustrated 247 Sports. Man, it is a great week. It is a great week to be a podcaster. It is a difficult week to be a Baylor Bear. We're going to talk about all the things here in just a second from John Lovett and Tristan Ebner to Charlie Brewer to the, uh, there's some tension in the fan base and we need to chill out just a little bit. We need to step it down just a peg. Okay, we're going to talk about all of it. And of course, Baylor with another disappointing effort against Texas, especially on the offensive side of the ball. There's no secret about that. Baylor's defense, once again, probably plays well enough to win. Uh, We told you last week, if you hold Texas under 30 this week, you should feel pretty good about it. And your offense just has to go do their job. They didn't. And we will talk about all of that and more coming up on this week's episode. It's also my pleasure to welcome to Please Bear With Me this week the first active rostered NFL player we've ever had on the podcast. I want to give credit to Blake Blackmar. He did a special with us last year. He was on the Chicago Bears practice squad at the time. And this week we have an inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. And I am excited but also kind of disappointed that the first active NFL player to join us on Please Bear With Me is a TCU Horn Frog. Ty Summers, the inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. It's his second year in the NFL. He has become a key piece on their defense. He will be joining us from Green Bay to talk about Baylor versus TCU. So excited to welcome Ty onto the podcast. Stay tuned for that here in just a little bit. First up, I do want to talk about Charlie Brewer. I don't want to spend too much time on this primarily because I wrote a big piece on Bears Illustrated this week called The Case for Charlie Brewer. And I don't want to just rehash all of that if you've already read it. And I also don't have much more to say than what I said in that piece. So please head on over to Bears Illustrated and check out that piece, The Case for Charlie Brewer. Uh, I I think I, I laid it out pretty fairly. Um, I tried to be unbiased and objective about it. And the gist of it is this. Uh, There's a lot of fan criticism of Charlie Brewer right now. And Seth Russell came in uh, to this podcast after the West Virginia game and said, it's okay to have an opinion, but ultimately as a fan, it's really, really hard to understand what's going through a quarterback's mind, to understand just all the moving parts that go on in an offensive scheme, and all of that being on Charlie Brewer's shoulders. It's really hard for us as fans to truthfully, accurately evaluate what the issues are with a quarterback's play. And so Seth Russell encouraged us, hey, we don't need fan evaluation. We don't need fan criticism. We need fan support. And for the most part, I really resonate there with Seth's message I think is fans I mean ultimately we're fans right like our our first and foremost job especially when we're supporting 18 to 22 year old kids our first and foremost job is to support them and encourage them and cheer them on and so when fans come rushing in and saying we need to bench this guy I just think uh, first and foremost we need to remember that we we are fans first And these are kids first. These are 18, 20, 22-year-old kids. And they do have feelings and they read what we say. And I want to be really sensitive to that. And I want to be an encourager of anybody who puts on the Baylor uniform before I'm a detractor, okay? So just in general, I usually approach it from that philosophy. I think if you get paid to play football professionally, you can take the criticism, okay? So when we get to like NFL and pro football, throw the criticism at them, right? Like they're paid to do it. And I think that's totally valid. Uh, But when it comes to college kids who are playing and representing your school and doing it for free and making your school a lot of money without making any money for themselves and putting their body on the line, especially the way Charlie Brewer has, I'm going to be very, very, very careful in how I criticize those people or how I try to hold those people to a standard, or I'm just going to be very, very careful and maybe never just come flat out and say, bench this guy, okay? Um, I'm sure you could go back in the archives of this podcast and find audio where I've said, bench this guy, okay? I'm not perfect. But I want to be a little more gracious and generous than I am critical when it comes to college athletes. That being said, in my article on Bears Illustrated, I acknowledge Charlie doesn't look right. And I said, I've said that for the last few weeks, okay? I've not shied away from that. He doesn't look right in large part because his arm does look like it's lost some zip. 
What I wanted to do was fight against the narrative that he's never been able to throw the football deep or accurately or with zip because none of those narratives are true. I also want to push back against the narrative that any of the backup quarterbacks are definitely 100% better options than Charlie Brewer. For one thing, we haven't seen them do anything that proves that. We haven't. Um, We do not have game tape on Gary Bohannon or Jacob Zeno that shows that they have any upside over Charlie Brewer. Okay, it's just not there. Zeno's made two good throws in his career. His mechanics are really nice. He was a highly touted prospect. He struggled against a really, really talented Georgia defense. There's no shame in that, but he hasn't shown anything on tape. Furthermore, he is buried under Gary Bohannon on the depth chart uh, for a variety of reasons, including maybe some judgment off the field. And, you know, uh, I think he needs to grow up a little bit, and that's not me saying that. That's sources inside the program. We'll see what happens there. Gary Bohannon has not shown that he can throw a ball accurately. And I'm sure he's improving on that. He's got a big arm. He's a physical player. He's a huge threat in the running game. I think Gary Bohannon has a ton of potential. But he's not shown anything on tape that he can throw the ball accurately in the short and intermediate game. The Big 12 championship, his accuracy was not great. A large part of that was due to an injury. So I'm not holding that super against him. But even when he's played while healthy, he's rarely been given the opportunity to throw the ball in tight spaces. I want to see him do it before I say, okay, yeah, he's better than Charlie. And I just think if either guy was clearly the better option, I don't buy this argument that Dave Aranda wouldn't go with them because, quote, he might lose the team. I don't buy that. I think the football team wants to win games more than they are loyal to any one quarterback. And so if Gary Bohannon or Jacob Zeno gave you a better chance to win a football game, I have very little doubt Aranda and Fedora would say, all right, we're sticking them in. I just don't buy the idea that they have to go with Charlie because history. I don't buy that. So I respect Charlie for his resume and his history. He's won at a high level here at Baylor. He is going to walk away from the university with several impressive marks in terms of all-time play and yardage and, and winning at Baylor. Two, I think he is the better option, and I think it's simply because we haven't seen the other two guys play yet, and the coaches would play them if they were better. And three, I do think something's wrong. I do think something's amiss. My first fear is that it is an injury. It's something subtle uh, that that they can't quite diagnose or find. Um, We heard that story from Seth Russell you know, with his career, I wonder if Charlie's got something wrong with him physically that we don't know about that maybe he doesn't know about. And two, I think it's mental. If it is an injury, it's definitely in his head. If it's not an injury, it still might be a block in his head. So I am hoping that if Charlie is concerned about his health, if it's a health thing, he needs to diagnose that and step away. Okay. Will he? It's hard to say. If it's a health thing, That needs to be between him and doctors and parents. It's not our job to tell him to step away. And two, I think Charlie has earned the right to step away when he's done. A lot of people don't like that idea, uh, but I, I think he's earned it. And I think Charlie Brewer is a competitor enough that one, I think he's going to improve throughout the season. But two, I think if, if Charlie recognized Bohannon was a leaps and bounds, better option for the team, I think Charlie might step away. And maybe I'm giving him a little too much character credit there. I don't know. Uh, but I just don't buy this idea that inserting another quarterback would fix this offense. I think this offense has a myriad of problems outside of quarterback play. I went through all of those in my article. Go to Bears Illustrated and check it out. There's a lot of issues with this offense, starting with uh, no practice, starting with no cohesion and and no unit that has had all its players practicing at once until this week, actually, and especially on that offensive line. I just think there's too many problems across the board with what's going on that aren't on the quarterback. And so check out that article. That's all I'm going to say about it here. Uh, If you want to hear more, uh, shoot me a message. I'll talk to you. Um, Respond to that article that I wrote on Bears Illustrated. And I want to clarify something else about this Charlie Brewer stuff. I am not anti-you if you are anti-Charlie Brewer being the starting quarterback for the Baylor Bears right now. I am on the Charlie Brewer train. I am of the opinion that he should continue to play, and I'm going to write for that and argue for that and tweet for that and talk for that. That doesn't mean I disagree with some of the really good points that others are making, and it doesn't mean that I'm against you and your critiques of him. Uh, I love the dialogue, actually, this week, and I'm hoping that Kendall Kout... Kendall, is it Kendall Kout or Kendall Kendall 
caught. I hope I'm saying your name right, Kendall. I look forward to your piece on ODB, or maybe if you just send it to me privately. I asked Kendall. He wrote a really good piece on ODB. I asked him to respond to my piece on Charlie Brewer this week, and I hope Travis Roeder, who also contributes to ODB, will respond and post that on Bears Illustrated this week as well. Good conversation all around. Love all you guys. I want to talk about what happened this weekend, particularly with the running back situation, John Lovett and Tristan Ebner. Um, Listen, we know with almost every story in life, there are multiple angles and multiple truths, right? And depending on whose side of the story you're telling, uh, some story might have more truth to it than not, but nobody is trying to intentionally mislead you, okay? I think Colt Barber is very good at what he does. I think Colt Barber has more sources inside the Baylor program than just about anybody else in the local media or in the Baylor kind of media sphere, okay? And I and I respect Colt a lot, and I want to validate what Colt said by saying that I had sources inside the program, and I have a couple of friends who had sources inside the program that were reporting similar things to what Colt Reported, There were reports inside the program that Treston and John were frustrated and were going to have a conversation with Coach Aranda, and they were angry, okay? They were angry about their role. They're angry about the offense. They're angry about, uh, you know, and, and I get it. I get it. When Colt's report came out that those two guys were opting out of the season, my first response was actually, good for them. I get it, Okay. I understand that both of those guys are trying to make the league, that they came in under Matt Rule, who has said, I can put you in the league. And who, by the way, look at all the Baylor guys, Jermichael Hasty, Henry Black, James Lynch, ton of Baylor guys that just went to the league, stepping up and making big plays in the past couple weeks. So Matt Rule has made good on his promise. Here are these running backs who came in under a different head coach. They're trying to make the league. This year has already been weird with the COVID stuff, and now the offense looks abysmal. John Lovett and Tristan Ebner, neither one getting the amount of carries that I think they should get in this offense, okay? So my first reaction to the news was, I get it. It's frustrating as a fan, but I get it. Good for them. I I wish them well. Then my next reaction to this story was, this can't be right. This can't be right. These these are not guys that would just quit on a program. I don't see that in their history, in their character, in their single-digit designation as given to them by their teammates. I don't see either guy as someone who would just quit on the program. So my first reaction was good for them. My second reaction was there's something about this story that's off. And so as we at Bears Illustrated investigated the story, there were multiple ones of us kind of looking into it. It became apparent that the story was exaggerated, and John Lovett's tweet late on Sunday night with the emoji and the things that Tristan Ebner's family said on Twitter made it really clear what came to light on Monday morning. The guys were probably never actually leaving the program. They probably would if they went into Aranda's office and just got a really negative reception. But, like, listen, we know that Dave Aranda is a good coach and a good guy and is loyal to the guys that are here. And he's a uniter and a bridge builder. I I think that's true of Dave Aranda. And so, yeah, they stayed. And I, I wonder if they were ever really going to leave or if you had two guys who are in their early 20s who are trying to make the league and trying to make the most out of this rough season and they're frustrated and they said some things out of frustration, maybe on Saturday night, maybe on Sunday afternoon, about, well, we could go to SMU and do this, or, well, we could just go pro. Maybe, you know, uh, we've all said things out of frustration and anger that after some time we didn't mean. So here are the facts, and I know this from inside sources. John Lovett and Tristan Emner were angry and frustrated, and I don't blame them a lick for it, Okay. They wanted to have a meeting with Coach Aranda about their future and about their role in the offense. There was probably some words said about them leaving, and they were leaving the idea to opt out on the table as a possibility for them. And then it's reported they're opting out when no official decision had been made. Sometimes 
people can get in such a hurry to have the scoop or the big story that they jump the gun and report something a little too early. And I think that's what happened here. And, you know, Sikkim365 is the big boy in the space, okay? Uh, Bears Illustrated, we're, we're not the big player. Our Daily Bears is not the big player. Um, we're all out here trying to have a good time and do good work in covering Baylor football, and Our Daily Bears does great work. I think we at Bears Illustrated do great work. Uh, I think 365 does great work, especially since they've gotten Smokey and the guys to do the radio stuff, okay? But... I think there were some poor decisions made here in how this story was covered. I think it may have been wise to report this story as, one, I wouldn't have used the players' names. I think that put a lot of unnecessary pressure on John Levitt and Tristan Ebner. And let's be honest, some really toxic Baylor fans said some really, really mean stuff to John Levitt and Tristan Ebner that evening that if I were in John or Treston's shoes, I might have left at that point. Just because Baylor fans, there were some Baylor fans being so vicious towards those two guys. And that's unfair. And that came as a direct result of the report. I don't know that I would have used their names if I were in Colt's shoes. And the report really should have been two star Baylor Bears considering opt-out or two star Baylor Bears to meet with the Randa, comma, considering opt-out possibilities, okay? There were ways to report the truth of what was going on without jumping to the most extreme conclusion. And again, I'm not here to talk bad about Colt. I'm not here to talk about 365. I think this was a story that got out of hand. I think we owe John Lovett and Tress and Ebner an apology for it. And instead of getting defensive about, well, the story was true at the time it was reported, no. John Love and Tristan Ebner never walked out of the Baylor facility and said, we're not coming back. That never happened. It never happened. And so I want to say thank you to John and Tristan for sticking with the program, despite the fact that it's not their head coach in the building. I want to say thank you for sticking with it, despite the fact that this offense is undervaluing your skill set right now. And I agree with that. And I want to say thank you to John and Tristan for being great Baylor Bears, because they are. And I want to apologize on behalf of any of the vitriol that they felt as a result of this report, because it's not fair. And they didn't deserve the vitriol, and they didn't deserve the attack and the criticism. You know what? Sometimes if you're a reporter and you have that breaking story, even if it's 90% true and about to happen, Maybe we needed to hear that from the horse's mouth. And especially, again, when it's college kids. It's not a pro. It's not someone who's paid to be there. These are college kids. These are students. These are young men who are trying to figure it out. When they're making a tough decision, let them make the decision. Uh, We don't need to make the decision for them. And so that's how I feel about the John Lovett and Tristan Ebner stuff. I hope that you didn't say anything negative to them. If you did, I hope you apologize. Uh, I saw a lot of support for them as well. And so if you're one of those fans that supported them, good on you. I uh, I tried to be supportive in my response, even though I was I knew it had bad results for the football team, obviously, if it were true. I'm glad the reports weren't true. I'm glad John and Tristan are staying. If you were on Bears Illustrated Sunday night and Monday morning, you knew we were saying all along, this isn't verified. This isn't a foregone conclusion. This is more fluid than other sites are reporting it is. Hey, support 365, support ODB. I hope you support us at Bears Illustrated. Support everybody uh, who does good work. But I think in this case, mistakes were made. And I think we just need to acknowledge it and move forward. And all of us can do a better job. So let the kids make their own decisions. And let's keep doing our best to support them and prop them up and cheer them on and report the truth when it happens not before it happens i guess i guess that's what i'm trying to say now that we've gotten the charlie brewer and love it ebner drama out of the way it was something we had to cover this week obviously now that it's out of the way i want to quickly recap what we saw at texas and then i'm going to welcome in ty summers so this past game against texas i really thought it was a winnable game for baylor Texas made a couple of big plays down the field against Baylor's secondary. That was rough to see. 
I attribute a lot of that to a missing Christian Morgan, okay? I think there's a reason that Jaron McVeigh they, they toyed with him at linebacker before this season really got underway. I, I think Jaron McVeigh is an outstanding athlete. I think Christian Morgan is the best secondary player we have on the roster outside of maybe like a Raleigh Tejada, okay? I think Morgan is just outstanding player, both in the box and in coverage, and we missed him, and it showed. You know, Travis Roeder, again, did a really good job breaking down at least one of those plays where Texas beat us deep and it was on um, the corner, not running cover three quite correctly. And so uh, there were some there were some misfires in the secondary. But overall, Baylor's defense played outstanding. Terrell Bernard is a monster, okay? He's a beast. He had an outstanding game once again. He's all over the field making things happen. Jalen Petrie played really well. Dylan Doyle looks a little slow, and some of that has already been talked about this week in other places. I think Dylan Doyle is figuring it out. Um, He's got a couple more years left on this team to figure it out. I think he's going to end up being a really solid player. Made quite a few tackles against Texas, but did look a little slow to the ball. I think he'll figure it out. Overall, Baylor's defense is outstanding. Obviously, the story of the game is the continued struggle of the offense. Charlie Brewer made three or four throws that wowed me this past Saturday, and then he made three or four throws that made me hold my breath and wince, right? And it seems as if he's locking into one receiver. It seems as if he's hesitant to put the ball downfield. It seems as if he checks down way too often. It also seems as if he's not willing to run the football outside the tackles. And here's one of the things I'm really confused about when it comes to our game plan, and it was so agitating against Texas. Charlie Brewer had more carries than John Lovett or Tresson Ebner this past Saturday. That's infuriating enough. That doesn't need to happen ever, 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 ever this season. But it's the way in which we've used Charlie as a runner. Why are we running Charlie on quarterback powers, draws, and sneaks up the middle and not using him on like a read option, a zone read look? Why aren't we getting him in space outside? That is where Charlie has made some of his magic happen over the past couple seasons. And I understand you're trying to keep Charlie safe and limit big hits. But if that's the case, why are we running him up the middle at all? Why? Why are we calling quarterback powers on fourth and one? I don't understand it. We need Charlie to run when he can on a bootleg. We need him to run some zone read, get on the outside, get eight yards and slide. That's what I'd like to see him doing. Not this power stuff. I don't get it. Obviously, Aranda is coming under fire as well for his decision to punt from the 30-yard line. He's already said this week in press conferences that was a mistake, and I believe him, and I think he's learning how to be a head coach, and we should give him a little grace. But yeah, um, several things to be critical of in this performance against Texas, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I keep thinking we're going to see it click and be figured out. I think this week is the biggest test of all. And Tim Watkins has talked a little bit about this on Bears Illustrated. This week will tell you how good this offense is going to be this season and how much improvement we may see. It's the first week that the entire offensive unit has been able to practice together. Think about that. Think about that. This is the first week of practice where every piece on offense is getting on the field at the same time. That's huge. That's huge. I think that's going to help tremendously in and of itself. TCU has an outstanding defense. Obviously, Coach Patterson, the best defensive coach in the Big 12, right up there with Dave Aranda, but TCU and Coach Patterson have been doing it at an elite level for a long time. So they are going to have a good game plan. Baylor's offense should be able to put up points, though, against this young and fairly inexperienced TCU defense. Baylor's defense should absolutely shut out a struggling TCU offense. TCU, in a lot of ways, is in the same boat as Baylor. They've got a defense that is making some plays. They've got an offense that can't consistently move the ball, and they're trying to find an identity. This is your best chance to win a conference game remaining if you're Baylor, in my opinion, because you have TCU at home. Tech will be on the road, and Tech just beat West Virginia. And Tech, I think Baylor should beat Tech, but on the road in Lubbock, Tech showing that they have some ability and competitiveness, it's not a given. I think this game with TCU at home is your best chance to win left if you're Baylor. You have to win this game. And your offense has to show some marked improvement. I think we're going to see it. I'm going to continue to be the optimist. But if this week is rough, we're going to have to have some real conversations next week. This season is not going to be very dissimilar 
for Matt Rule's first season. We're going to be pulling our hair out quite a bit this season despite the obvious talent and potential that's there. I am hoping, since most of the seniors and juniors on this group went through that one-win season, that they understand that it's part of the process, it's a building block, and you hope that this spring you can get a full spring in, you hope that you have a regular routine, and next year's team will be outstanding. I really think there's some really good building blocks here, but this year is rough. This is a huge opportunity for Baylor to bounce back this week against a struggling TCU team that will not struggle for long. That program will bounce back, make no bones about it, and I'm hoping to see marked improvement from the offense. If not, next week might be a deep dive into how they need to improve. With that said, this week I do not know what to expect, if I'm being honest with you. I'm going to take Baylor to win and another overtime game. That's what I'm going to say. I think it's going to be a low-scoring defensive battle. I think Baylor gets it done in an overtime game against TCU. I think Baylor forces some turnovers from the defensive side to keep the Bears in it. Max Duggan more likely to turn the ball over than Sam Ellinger as much as I rip on Ellinger, and he did turn it over to give Baylor a chance late this past Saturday. I think Duggan turns the ball over. I think Baylor has a chance, maybe scores a touchdown on defense to keep us in it. And I think if we go to overtime, I really like Baylor's odds uh, with that defense to win. And so I'll take Baylor in an overtime game against TCU. Let's say 24-17 Baylor in overtime. None of us would feel great about that, but a win is a win. And a win over TCU is always something to celebrate. It's rivalry week, sick TCU. Let's beat the living daylights out of the Horned Frogs. There's nothing as a Baylor fan you want more season in and season out. And I'm looking forward to the game this Saturday. Speaking of the Horned Frogs, I would like to introduce our guest. And this guest has the distinction of being the first active NFL player to appear on Please Bear With Me. And I'm so thankful for him and for him coming in this week to be part of the show. Ty Summers is an inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers, and he had an outstanding career at TCU. He was a TCU Horn Frog from 2014 to 2018. 2014, he took a medical red shirt after playing in the opener, and then he had an outstanding four years of play from 2015 to 2018. He was an all-Big 12 player. Out of all of Gary Patterson's players, he is the second leading tackler. Not in TCU history, but the second leading tackler in TCU history under Gary Patterson. That's a big deal. Gary Patterson has had a ton of great players on that defense. Ty Summers uh, was a middle linebacker for Gary Patterson after playing quarterback at Ronald Reagan High School in San Antonio, of course, where David Wetzel was the head coach. He played for Wetzel as a quarterback. He was an outstanding quarterback in high school. Had an opportunity maybe to play quarterback at Rice. Ended up playing linebacker at TCU. In the Baylor Monsoon game, you might remember this, in Fort Worth 2015, Chris Johnson is the quarterback after Seth Russell and Jarrett Stidham have gone down. Uh, Baylor has just defeated Oklahoma State on the road with Chris Johnson at the helm. Baylor is fighting for a playoff spot. And we go to Fort Worth to face TCU in a monsoon. And these two dynamic offenses are just anemic in the mud and the rain and the cold. I was at that game. It was miserable to be at that game, okay? Ty Summers in that game had 23 tackles. That is tied for sixth all-time for TCU in a single-game performance. He won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week and Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week in that game, and Ty Summers had the game-winning stop to stop the Bears on fourth down and ultimately win the game for TCU. And if you'll remember, Baylor hands off to Devin Chafin, outstanding power running back there, and Ty Summers shot the gap and got that tackle to win the, ultimately win the game for the TCU Horned Frogs in overtime. He went on his sophomore, junior, and senior years to play outstanding. His best season from a tackling perspective was his sophomore season. He had 121 total tackles, um, just an outstanding season there. His senior year, he moved to defensive end due to injuries uh, on TCU's front, and he ended up being a pretty dadgum good defensive end in the Big 12. 48 tackles senior year, mostly at that defensive end spot. Six and a half tackles for loss and four sacks, including a sack against Baylor. He went on to be drafted in the seventh round in 2019 by the Green Bay Packers, 
came into the Green Bay Packers camp. Obviously, when you're a seventh-round draft pick, you're not guaranteed a roster spot. He made the Packers 53-man roster as a rookie, played entirely on special teams last year, made several tackles on special teams, was really one of the great special teams players in the NFL. And then this season, due to some injuries in the Packers linebacking core, he has stepped up to be one of the best players on the Green Bay Packers this season. He is the fourth leading tackler for the Green Bay Packers, getting regular snaps at that inside linebacker position and playing really well and looks like he is going to have a very long and successful NFL career as an inside linebacker. And of course, Gary Patterson, famous for putting defensive players in the NFL and Ty Summers, one of the best of them. And Ty Summers joins us now on Please Bear With Me. Ty, we'll get to Baylor and TCU here in a little bit. That's obviously going to be a big focal point for us. But I want to talk about you first, man. I want to talk about you first. You were a outstanding dual threat quarterback in high school at Reagan High, right? Here comes Coach Gary Patterson. And of course, Coach Patterson is known for just taking athletes and putting them in that linebacker spot and getting outstanding results. Tell us about playing in high school and that decision to go to TCU and become a linebacker for Coach Patterson. Yeah, for uh, for me, I mean, I wanted just wanted the opportunity to go play at a high level, um, you know, high competitive level. I had, you know, a couple offers at you know, or teams looking at me, they were like, you know, D1, double A's and such uh, for quarterback. And, and that would have been great and all because I love playing quarterback. But in my mind, I was like, if I had the opportunity to go play in the Big 12 for a team that's known for their defense, you know, I can be a part of that. You know, I'll go play nose tackle if that's what they need. You know, I'll go do that. You know, I just wanted the chance to compete at the highest level possible. And so uh, it was definitely an honor and a privilege to be able to have that opportunity over there at TCU despite what all of you guys think about, uh, about Baylor and we all think about TCU. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and again, Coach Patterson, one of the prolific defensive minds in college football and TCU, obviously super successful throughout the years under his leadership. So you get to TCU, man. I look back at your bio at TCU, and I don't know if you knew all of this, but you, out of all of Gary Patterson's players, you have the second most tackles which was very impressive to see. And you always had a highlight against Baylor, dude. So your biggest game in college, you're a freshman linebacker and you have 23 tackles against Baylor during that monsoon game, including, your wife tells me, the game winner. And then you have an interception against Baylor your junior year. And then your senior year, they casually just put you at defensive end. And the first snap against Baylor, you go and get a sack, man. So uh, I know I just blitzed you with a lot, but you just had a a very prolific career there at TCU, uh, obviously. So talk about your time at TCU, bro, and um, growing into that position and and how you just became so dadgum successful in that spot. Man, it was, it was a big adjustment, you know, going from quarterback to linebacker. So for me, I feel like, you know, I tried to t- tried to learn a lot and, and critique the way that I played, you know, because I was wanting to be good at it. But at the end of the day, when it came to just playing, I just had to find a way to be an athlete and play. So I feel like that's what I attribute my success to early on, was just trying to go be an athlete. Like, I know I'm supposed to tackle the guy with the ball. So that's, that was kind of my mindset. Uh, but of course, when it came to playing Baylor each and every year, that was the rivalry game. You know, that was like, okay, it doesn't matter what the season looks like, what our record is, as long as we find a way to beat Baylor, I mean, we can count that as somewhat successful. So that was always one that we had circled on our calendar. And for me personally, I had some buddies that played for Baylor as well. So I don't know, I guess just found a way to uh, to, to make plays, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to attain it to. I know that our coaching staff, you know, they have a way of pushing people, but they're smart. You know, Coach P knows what he's talking about. So I think he also took a lot of pride in that game against Baylor because, I mean, he was always calling – I don't know if he stayed extra film, but he was able to call everything out. So at least when it came to that last play you referred to uh, my freshman year uh, to get the game winner on the fourth and one, he literally told me exactly where that play was going to be earlier in the week. And I had messed it up in practice, actually. Messed it up, and he came up there, got in my face, told me, what are you doing? Every time they run this play, that ball's cutting back in the B-gap. So whenever they lined up in it, I remember that butt chewing, you know, from practice. And I sat there, I was like, oh, this is that play. Lined up, ran in that B-gap, tackle for loss, game over. So I think uh, the success that came for me was a lot 
you know, a lot attributed to his knowledge and, and the information that he was able to give us going into that week that uh, made us successful. That's actually something I wanted to get to, Ty. Tell me a little more about Coach P, because I've asked, um, I had a former TCU kicker on a couple seasons ago, and I've had some other guys, but I've never had a guy who played defense for him, and, and especially at that linebacker spot for him. And we know he's smart. We know he game plans well. What is that really like? Take us a little deeper into what it's like playing linebacker for Coach P. Man, he uh, he's a special, special type of personality, you know? And the nice part is he doesn't try to hide it on game day either. So the way that he acts sure. the same way he acts in practice. So it's consistent. Um, but as someone that played linebacker, being in the center of that defense, there's a lot of responsibility. Um, and so being that, he's trying to make sure that every single rep that I get has got to be perfect. And that's obviously, you know, held true in the games, but in practice as well. Um, so, you know, Growing up, you know, it took a while to earn that seniority to where he wasn't on my back for every single thing that I did. Uh, but it was one of those experiences that while it was really hard in the middle of it, and I say really hard, it was tough. It really tested, uh, I would say, my mental fortitude as well as a lot of the guys that, I mean, every other guy that's played through there. Because if you think about it, going back to that experience, I will never have a more difficult boss. What do you think about it? No job that I ever will have, even probably in the NFL, I'll ever be, you know, coached in that kind of way, led in that kind of way. So for me, it was, it was a great experience to recognize, okay, what I was capable of taking and still finding success, you know, and, and balancing myself out, you know. Um, so it, it was a good experience. It was hard, learned a lot, found success. Ultimately, it got me here. So I really appreciate the opportunity that he gave me because not a lot of people gave me that opportunity. I mean, I only had officially two offers. And so I appreciate the faith he had in me. I mean, he pushed me to get where I'm at. So I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed to, to be here, you know? Man, and how brilliant, let's just give him credit, how brilliant is it that he goes and gets a quarterback, uh, so somebody who's used to making checks and having to call plays and lead a huddle, to come play that, that middle linebacker spot, right, and captain the defense and call, make those calls. So excellent foresight for him to see that in you. And then uh, let's just keep bragging on you for a little bit, and we'll get into this week, rivalry week here. Seventh-round draft pick, right? So you're, you're sitting there the entire draft. You get the call. You go to such a, a historic and storied franchise like the Green Bay Packers, one of the four or five just legendary places to be in the NFL you uh and and you're welcome to jump in and correct me if i'm if i miss anything here but uh you you make the team last year special team star uh, every game making tackles on special teams and this year I, we're catching you at a good time because about a month ago you got your first start at, in that inside linebacker spot and your first start ty is against sean payton and Alvin Kamara, and future Hall of Famer Drew Brees, and you went out and had, what, nine, ten tackles, something like that? So Yeah, um, and honestly, I, I wish I could say it was a start. I came in off the bench in, like, the middle of the second quarter. Um, so, I mean, I had maybe had, in total, I was averaging maybe five reps at practice a day, you know, just trying to, like, get enough where I could stay, you know, stay in tune, but... I knew that I wasn't going to play unless someone busted a chin strap. And so I <laughs> got called off the bench. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Because for me, I think not having that expectation, obviously you always prepare like you're going to play, and I was. Um, but to not have that expectation to play, there was no nerves, you know. So for me, it was like, oh, well, I got to go. They need me. So they gave me the helmet with the mic and said, go on out there. So um, and just go play. And so that's that's all it was. So to have that as my first experience, though, against Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, I mean, that's one of those things that uh, I'll always remember the rest of my life as being my first experience. I mean, I had people sending me pictures of on the TV screen of Drew Brees on one half and me on the other half. And it's like, what the heck? Like, we're talking about <laughs> me in the same sense as Drew Brees, given the way the game is. And, you know, Drew's out there looking at me saying, Mike 44, you know, it's just, it was just like a surreal experience. Um, and the word that I would use to describe it aside from surreal was fun. You know, it just felt like I was just playing ball again. You know, just out there just playing. Special teams is great. It's given me the opportunity. But to get to go play what I came here for, which is you know, defense and linebacker, that was special. 
Yeah, and I, I cannot imagine this the overwhelming emotion, especially after the game when you process all of it. You know, you're looking across the field at the best Texas high school quarterback of all time, arguably, right? And getting to play in that game, I just can't imagine. And uh, you've played pretty well since. Talk about the last month uh, being asked to step into that bigger role on that defense and how that's gone for you. You know, it could always have gone better. You know, I'm a person, I'm a perfectionist, so I see things and I'm like, man, I could, I could make – you know, nine tackles, but I'm going to remember those two or three that I missed or those two or three opportunities that I messed up on, you know, that I could have been better. And so um, that's good, you know, because obviously I'm continuing to push for to be better. Uh, but at the same point, I got to be able to appreciate where I'm at a little bit and enjoy the experience at the same time and not just make it such a stressful deal. Uh, but the last month, it's, it's been it's been fun. It's been crazy going getting to go against guys like uh, Deshaun Watson, um, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan. I mean, those are wow. those are elite quarterbacks. You yeah. know, I'm not playing against <laughs> there ain't no scrubs, and there are no scrubs in the league, but I mean, those are some of the best, you know. Yeah. So it's uh it's been a great experience. A lot to grow, to grow on, a lot to learn. Um, that's what I'm making a point to do every day, just find something that I can get better at uh, each and every day. Man, and that's the, that's Coach P rubbing off on you right there, bro. That's it. Real quick, I have to ask you this question because it's a Baylor podcast, and Henry Black uh, got his first action this past Sunday and blew a guy up and forced a fumble, and every Baylor fan was pumping their fist. You and he talk any smack this week as you're getting ready for Saturday? And talk about Henry's contribution to the team real quick. Well, I mean, shoot. A guy that came in here as undrafted, you know, we had a lot of DBs in the DB room, and he showed them enough to at least bring them back on practice squad and then bring them up. And for him to step up the way that he did his first opportunity, I mean, there's there's no better – there's nothing else he could have done at all. I mean, with the plays that he was in from watching the film, he executed his job, he made the tackles we need to, and then to come in and make an explosive play like that. I mean, I told him actually this morning we were getting our COVID test, and he was walking out. I was like, hey, man, I hadn't had a chance to talk to you, but, man, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you to step up and the way that you played. I mean, they talk about making the most of your opportunity. You did that. So keep doing what you're doing, man. Super, super proud of you. And so he was appreciative, and uh, he said, hey, we got TCU this week. And I was like, I know. I was like, we're going to have to find up some sort of bet to do or something. I don't know what it's going to be, whether it's wearing a – opposite team shirt if they lose or something i don't know gotta do something i mean it's baylor tcu week come on i love it there's a picture floating out there somewhere of me wearing a tcu shirt when i lost a bet in a similar fashion so i i hear that yep let's talk about this rivalry dude and it really is it's so natural the two small private schools in the big 12 both have had up and down in their history but have really been up the past decade uh it's kind of funny even now tcu has kind of been the defensive stalwart in the big 12 for a long time baylor has just recently adopted under matt rule this like we're a defensive tough football team and so you've got two really really similar programs talk about those four years you played first and and the rivalry and what it means and and uh what some of those games were like I mean, I would say my very first experience was the one we were up 21 points in the fourth quarter, and y'all came back and beat us. So, obviously, I mean, I grew up I grew up a Texas fan. Being from Texas, I was super basic. Sure. Texas fan, right? But I didn't understand what that rivalry really was between Baylor and TCU, <clears throat> aside from just hearing about it when I got there. But whenever I we lost that game, as hyped as everyone was, I mean, all the trash talk we started hearing from Baylor fans. It was like, okay, that's what it's like. I looked at bad taste. I didn't even play that game because I'd had I'd medically retroed. And so I was like, okay, I see what this, this rivalry is about. And so, of course, it came to the second opportunity. I mean, both of us were having great seasons. Y'all had a chance to make the playoff. Y'all beat us. So I was like, we knew we didn't have a chance for that, but we knew for dang sure we didn't want Baylor to make it. So <laughs> I, I, I felt – I don't know what it is, but it's just – Sometimes rivalries can't completely be explained. It's just been built up over time, but it just brings so much of that extra energy that this game means something, regardless of what the records are. I feel like that's what it was every every time we played y'all, every single time. Even whenever y'all had lost however many straight games we can't play, y'all came out and played hard. Had us in the first half. I got a pick. We came back. Rested. Yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. And uh, name a Baylor guy or two that you loved playing against whether it was because they were nasty and you wanted to pop them in the mouth or whether it was because you really respected them or it's someone you played against in high school, who are one or two of those names on the Baylor roster that you just loved facing off against in those tough games? Uh, 
I would say, I mean, honestly, I will say I really loved uh, Charlie Brewer's competitiveness as a young guy coming in my last couple of years. I would say I really liked the way Charlie Brewer played. Um, and, of course, you know, guys like Denzel Mims, you know, great receiver. We knew we had to find a way to lock him down. I didn't personally have to deal with him a whole lot because <laughs> um, he was out there, you know, I let my corners handle him. Then who else? I mean, my buddy that I was really close with was Josh Malin and Jordan Furbacher. Yeah. I was friends with both of them. Um, so it was cool going getting to go see him, especially Jordan, because I played select baseball growing up with him when we both lived in Houston on the same team. So that was cool. Um, who else? I mean, <clears throat> y'all always had some good running backs. You know, y'all guys, guys were playing physical, tough to take down. So, I mean, I always loved that challenge going against like the bigger physical guys. And I feel like y'all had a lot of those. I don't know. That, that was kind of, kind of it for me. Bryce Petty. Too. I mean, of course, he was a good player as well. I don't know if I really played him, though. I remember watching him and thinking he did really well. But I think when we played y'all, my retro freshman year, that's when y'all had third-string quarterback in because of injuries. Right. It had been Seth Russell and Jarrett Stidham, and then we were down to the third string at TCU. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Year. Well, no, the linebacker, they got hurt seniors. Number one, what was his name? Oh, Taylor Young. Taylor Young. I really liked the way that he played. I really hate that he got hurt. Yeah, we did too. He was a good player. Yeah, I'll he's. Talk to him a little bit after our games. I was gonna say he's actually a, a GA at Baylor right now, so he's he's on the sideline and a. We like having him around. He's a good guy. Yeah. I wanted to mention David Wetzel to you, your high school coach, right? Comes mm-hmm. to Baylor in 2016 under Matt Rule. Any smack talk between y'all? What's that like seeing him after after a game on the sideline there? Oh no, that was always so good. It was. There was never really smack talk there. It was just he's so genuine. But uh, no, it's always so good. We text, you know, right, leading up to that game of the week. You know, how you doing? Can't wait to see you, talk to you. So we, I talked to him before and after the games. I think the last couple of years that I was there. But uh, he always had nothing but good things to say. I mean, that's just how he is. I don't know if you had the chance to talk to him. Great guy. But yeah, so I mean, him and then his school, his son Skyler Wetzel is there right now. Yeah. Or I guess he's still there right now. Didn't get to play against him, but I know that's probably really cool for him, having his son carry on the legacy, being a Baylor Bear himself. Oh, for sure. That's his alma mater, so that's pretty neat for him. Absolutely. Well, hey, I've just got a few minutes left, and I appreciate your time a lot. This is fun. How much have you kept up with the current team? I know TCU probably feels like they're in a little bit of a slump uh, last season and this season. Baylor kind of going through a slump this year, losing a ton of guys off last year's team and obviously a new coaching staff and everything. How much have you kept up with this year's TCU team, and uh, what have you seen from them so far? I've been watching uh, last couple years since I've been up here. You know, it's obviously there's a lot that can be better. I think they have a lot of young talent, a lot of guys that are talented. They're just got to bring it together, reduce the penalties, make their plays, do their job. I mean, that, that defense is built in a way that you do your 111th. I mean, that defense is going to lock down anybody. It almost is regardless of, like, who you have there, as long as that dude plays hard and does his job. I mean, because we never had big recruits and I was there. We might have had one or two, but it was built on two or three-star guys like myself. You know, they just want to go play hard and then follow the scheme. Uh, offensively, I mean, obviously, there's plays that are left out there, you know, watching it. Max Devin, I think, has a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, we just need to get some consistency with the offensive line, blocking. Uh, there's, like I said, a lot of young talent. Just got to find a way to bring it all together, I think, and they could be a really good team. This Saturday, it's in Waco, TCU traveling down 35 there, playing at McLean. Again, Baylor struggling this season as well, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which bodes well, obviously, for TCU. But Baylor coming in with a defense that has also played pretty lights out in in big spots this year. So, should be a defensive struggle. Uh, What are you looking for this Saturday in that matchup? Obviously, I would love the defense to go out and get a shutout. You know, that would always be great as a defensive guy. But I really would like to see – um, the offense, move the ball consistently, no turnovers, uh, put the ball in the end zone a little bit more. I would like to see see that, see some of those young guys really stand out. Because uh, I know the defense is going to bring it. I mean, Baylor week, uh, that always happens. So I think offense protecting the ball, moving it down the field, making plays. That's what I'm looking for for the TCU side. Hey, that's great. And and I told you I'd give you the opportunity to talk some mess, and you've been really kind and generous so far. So, um, you ask anyone, I'm a really bad trash talker, (laughs) trash talk. So like, you mean you're bad at it? Yeah. Like one, I don't try it. And two, if I do, it really doesn't make a lot. It doesn't hurt anyone's feelings. (laughs) I'm just like, you know what? 
I'll just let other people do that and I'll just try to go play and play well. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, Ty, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate your time. And uh, again, first active NFL rostered guy on Please Bear With Me is a TCU Horn Frog. You have that record forever, man. Best of luck to you the rest of the way. And uh, Sikkim Bears. Appreciate it. Hey, good talking to you, Scotty. Go Frogs. I'm glad you're in green and gold now, Ty. That's all I'll say about I that. I know. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> I'll have to switch to these colors. It's all right. I'll rock it if it's got the Packer logo on it all That's day. right. Ty, this was really fun. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Thanks for having me on. I want to thank Ty Summers again for coming on. That was such a fun conversation. And obviously, Ty, an outstanding dude and an outstanding player and really classy for coming on with us and giving us that great interview. Ty, appreciate you. I think as Baylor fans, we can all agree, it's fun to root for a Texas high school kid that makes the NFL. And listen, when they're playing for TCU, we cheer against them. But ultimately, when a Big 12 player and a Texas guy and even just such a classy guy like Ty gets the NFL, let's root for him. We root for him. So Ty, Baylor Nation, at least the good ones, we're rooting for you. Okay, so great to see you playing well for the Green Bay Packers in that green and gold. Represent the Big 12 and Texas well. And maybe we'll have you back here in the next year or two. Thanks so much again for being on the program. And that's going to do it for me. Hey, really appreciate you listening. Really appreciate you reading that article I wrote on Charlie Brewer and all the, I'm getting a ton of feedback on that. And it, and it really means a lot. If I don't respond to you quickly, I will. And uh, I really, really appreciate that. Sometimes it's easy to feel like uh, the small fish in a really big pond of people who cover the Baylor Bears in my position, especially since this is just a side hustle for me, right? Like I'm a youth pastor full time and I cover the Bears for fun. I appreciate, I really appreciate you for including me in your reading and in your life and for listening to this podcast and for reading my content. It makes it worth doing and I appreciate it. Keep responding. Even if you disagree, I want to hear it and I want to fire back at you and I want to have those discussions. If you agree, I obviously welcome your response there as well. So I'm going to get us out of here for Tim Watkins and Bears Illustrated. Thanks so much for continuing to support this podcast. To Iron Kids for all the dope music that we use every week. Y'all go check out Iron Kids on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you get your music. For Ty Summers, who is my great guest today, and for all of you who support, please bear with me and the Baylor Bears. My name is Scotty Swingler. This has been this week's episode of Please Bear With Me, and we will talk to you again next week. Let's go beat those horn frogs this Saturday. Sick'em, Bears. Talk to you soon.